Hey y'all, you are listening to another episode of The Spiritual Homegirl, where we discuss all things concerning self-development and bettering our spirit, but from the homie perspective, somebody that's going through the journey day by day, just like you. Hey y'all, it's your girl Maria, The Spiritual Homegirl, and we are back with a special episode of The Spiritual Homegirl Podcast. Now, before we get started, y'all know I can't do any podcast episode without thanking you all for listening. So thank you for listening, boo. Out of the tens and thousands of podcasts that are out here in podcast land, you choose to leave me your ears once a week for about an hour or so, and I hella appreciate that. Today's guest is very special. For those that are on social media, y'all know one of my favorite accounts is Ori Eray, aka Ade. He is a father. He is a husband. He is a priest. Yes, a priest. He is a co-host of the Words from Yesterday podcast. He's he's does like Yoruba classes and he has such a great platform in terms of how he creates. I I think it's freaking amazing because the way Day approaches how he um at least in my perception because you know Art and, and output is really interpreted based on who's perceiving it or experiencing it, right? But based on my experience and what he creates, it's super educational, um, very entertaining, but it's from a Afrocentric perspective. And I love that type of stuff. I love it, okay? So I was really excited that he decided to um, come on the podcast and talk to me about his journey growing up in D.C., um, him growing up in a family that already practiced African spirituality. And if you remember the last interview I did with uh, my OG Kim, a.k.a. Sarasaha, she got into African spirituality in the, I think, I think late 80s, early 90s. As a young adult during the whole Back to Africa movement. So here we have a product of parents that were more than likely a part of that movement and had our day. So our day's perspective is from a I've grown up in this tradition. This is what I've learned. And I really dig it. I dig it so much. And also, it's a bit different in terms of background. As Kim is from Chicago. Um, Adea is from D.C. His father, if I remember correctly, is from Haiti. So there is a difference. But I love to present these differences because perspective is everything. That is what this platform is about. So for those who are curious about African spirituality and want a firsthand account about what the tradition is about... I got y'all. So I don't want to hold y'all up any further. This is a great interview. Um, so tap in and I'll catch y'all on the other side. Peace, y'all. I am here with Ade, otherwise known on Instagram as Ori Ray. How you doing? I'm doing good. Feeling good. As, as good as I can be in this pandemic. I'm glad to hear. So for those who don't know, um, I've been sharing a lot of his stuff on my page since I had a conversation with Kim. If y'all remember Kim... She talked about her experience um, with African spirituality and um, she put me actually onto his content. I really liked his stuff. And then the more I liked it, I said, you know what? He's really involved with African spirituality. Let me talk to him and see if I can get his experience because I really think it's important to share different people's experience. I always believe that people need something to hold on to, whether it is Christianity, Islam, African spirituality, um, whether it's hoodoo, voodoo, or for some people, you know, Nothing at all. Like some, you know, I just like to provide different perspectives. So I'm really glad Ade is here with me to speak about this. But um, where are you located before we get started with all that? Okay. Um. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm in DC. I'm. I'm. I'm out here on the East Coast in DC. Um. Yeah. Now you were telling me you were born in New York, but then you've so you've basically been in DC virtually, give or take a few years, your entire life. Yeah. Yeah. Um. 
my father came to the country from Haiti. When he was younger, he came to Brooklyn. Uh, my mother uh, was raised in Harlem, so they met there. Um, and then, yeah, when I was about five, we moved to D.C. So I pretty much say born and raised in D.C. Okay. Okay. So you from D.C. Yeah. All right. So I am curious to know, what was your journey with African spirituality? Now, sometimes I've used African spirituality. At times, I've also used ATRs, African traditional religions. I remember at one point you were going to tell me about how you um, had an opinion or a perspective about the term African traditional religions or ATRs. Can you tell me that again, please? Because we know we got cut off right before you were really going in about that um, because, you know, retrograde. So I just wanted yeah. to hear your perspective on that, if you didn't mind. So, yeah, we we use the term ATR and, and I love that term, um, African traditional religion. But sometimes I like to add more onto that um, because I think that a lot of these African spiritual traditions are not religions in the same sense of Christianity, Islam. They're more so cultures and ways of life of a particular group of people. So the tradition that I practice, ATR that I practice, um, is called Ifa. Um, it goes by many names. You'll hear Isheshe used, Ifa, you'll hear people say Orisha. Um, but that is the culture and the way of life of the Yoruba people. So it's how they um, praise God. It's how they work with their ancestors and communicate with their ancestors. It's how they... Uh, perform divination to find out what's happening in the future. It's it's the medicine that they work with. So I really say at the core, it's the culture and way of life of the Yoruba people of that region of Southwest Nigeria and some parts of Benin. You know what? I just realized something too. You also have a platform of your own, right? Yes, 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 yes. What is the name of that? Before we get into your journey, because I remember, because I, I forget, a lot of your stuff is entertainment, but it's also very educational. And what you just did now just reminded me, wait, he has a whole platform that's about educating um, as well. Do you want to talk about that before we get into your journey? Yeah, sure. So my brother and I uh, have words from yesterday. So on Instagram, we're words from yesterday. Um, all one word, no dashes, no spaces. We're also wordsfromyesterday.com. Uh, no dashes, no spaces either. But from there, we talk about a lot of African proverbs, African folklore. Um, and when I say African, I mean, we we go through African-American stories and proverbs, Caribbean from the continent of Africa. Um, and then we also have a lot of workshops and lessons. So we have language classes, spirituality classes. So if you're interested in that, um, yeah, look us up at uh, Words From Yesterday uh, on Instagram or wordsfromyesterday.com. Y'all are currently doing uh, Yoruba classes now, right? On Saturdays? Yup, yup, yup. We, we, um, this is the latest round of Yoruba classes, four weeks um, every Saturday. We're currently coming up on the third week uh, in about two days. So th there'll be more classes if you are interested, but this one is going to be wrapping up soon. Okay. All right. I wanted to talk about that because it sounds to me like the way I perceive your platform um, is that it's very, it's, it's part scholar, part comedy, part fun. So for me, it's like, that's that's why I really thought it was important to get you on here so we could hear it from that perspective. Um, and not to mention, you're my first man, um, male guest that um, is into African spirituality. I've had male Muslims on the show. I've had male Christians on the show. I've never mm -hmm. had a male... Um, ATR practitioner. Yes, and I, was, and I started to say priest, and I said, no. I don't know if you wanted me to say that on here. 
No, priest so, is fine. Priest okay, is fine. Okay, okay, okay. I just didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know. Okay, so cool. So I never had a priest. Oh, here before. So I was like, you know what? Let me get his perspective. I really just would like to know that because I know to a degree, you know, women work with women, at mm-hmm. least in my experience, and the men work with the men. So yeah. it was, I'm just curious to know um, just more about, you know, because you're, you're also young too. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's just cool to get a, a younger perspective. As I said before in a previous episode, my homegirl, Ken, that's the OG. She got into mm-hmm. African spirituality in the 90s. So for you, um, a millennial, it's like, it's just a, it's a different perspective. So I'm really yeah. curious. So how did you get into, um, Ifa? Hmm. So I guess I'll start at the beginning. So it's for me and my family, it's a generational thing. Um, so on one side of my family, my father, um, and his family came here from Haiti when, when he was a kid. So inside of Haitian culture, African spirituality is very deeply rooted. So you'll hear, you'll hear people say things like uh, in Haiti, people are, let's say, 20% Muslim. I mean, 20% Muslim, 60% Christian. But then they'll say Haiti is 100% voodoo. So to me, that means that like African spirituality, voodoo specifically, is so interwoven into Haitian culture. It was a part of the Haitian revolution. that It's really hard to separate the two. So I have people in my family aunts and then i have people going even further back like great aunts who practiced voodoo the the atr from haiti on my mother's side um my grandmother comes from the south she grew up in the church you know like most black folks here um but at some point when she was down in north carolina central when she met my grandfather she had like a kind of awakening and so she realized that some of the stuff she was being taught in college were lies. And so her and my grandfather moved to New York, joined the Nation of Islam. They started working. My, my grandmother was working with Malcolm when he was alive. When he left uh, the nation, she joined his organization. So on both sides, it's kind of been this multi-generational process of like returning to our roots. And so in, in, in a more recent sense, um, I grew up practicing African spirituality in the household since birth. My father actually has been in the priesthood in a different African spiritual system, Akan, from Ghana, for about 20 years. My mother a little bit more recently. So I, th- I think it's been something I've always been in. But I also say that the majority of my family practices the Akan's spirituality or culture from Ghana. I br- branched over to the Nigerian side for a few reasons. One, for some reason, my parents decided to go to a Yoruba priest to get my name. So I have a few Yoruba names, but they gave me a traditional Yoruba naming ceremony, gave me that name. So I always kind of wondered, like, what does this name mean? You know, I, I have uh, Adetayo Olufumi. I have a few, a few names in there, but I was always kind of curious about that. Fast forward, when I got to Howard my interest kind of peaked. I was like, okay, I'm fine with the account spiritual system, but I really want to go deeper into Ifa. So I ended up meeting um, some people to study with after shopping around a lot. Um, my godparents at the time ended up moving to Nigeria. I went to spend time with them in Nigeria at several points in time. You know, that led me to be initiated. Um, and since then, I've just been you know, I'm a student. That's what I'll say. I'm, I'm a student of the ways of my ancestors. So since then, I've kind of just been on this path, just trying to learn and grow every day. So that's the somewhat short version. 
That's really interesting. So you've so I just want to make sure I heard you right. So basically, you were born into the Akan tradition. Yes. And yes. then as you got older and you got you got went to college, shout out to Howard because I know it's one thing I know about y'all Bisons. Y'all will represent. See, look at see there. See, see. I got an OG named Inga. I interviewed with her about two and a half years ago. She is one of the proudest Bisons. I know, like y'all, my lawyer went to Howard. So it's, it's like, man, one of my lawyers went to Howard. I got two. The other one went to FAM. But y'all some proud oh. bisons, okay? So go ahead and get it out before we get before we continue on. Shout, shout out to FAM too, but you already know. H-U, you, you, you already know. So yeah, Howard, <laughs> I'm, I'm a Howard alum. You a real live DC representative. You went to college in DC and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I had no desire to leave DC. <laughs> I love DC. I respect that. So basically, when when you got to Howard, though, you realized, hey, there's this curiosity about my name. Technically, my name is um of your by origin. Mm-hmm. It's like, what is this about? And then you kind of started to do your own, you know, journey, and then you realize, hey, this feels right. I'm gonna go ahead and do that. Yeah, and I mean, I think I would be remiss if I didn't mention. So, so I talked earlier about how this has been a generational process for my family, but even the Akan spiritual uh, house that I grew up in, right? Because most people who know about ATRs know that we're kind of organized into houses, um, depending on the particular religion, could be somewhat similar to a church, basically an organization. Um, but the house that I grew up in and a lot of the Akan spiritual houses around the country stem from the gener- generational efforts of certain elders that did that were doing stuff back in the 60s, 70s, it gets really deep. So I like to trace things all the way back to, we can even go back to Martin Delaney, but I like to trace things back to like anthropologists like Zora Neale Hurston. I also mentioned Catherine Dunham uh, earlier in one of the posts that I did earlier this week, because these people were studying were traveling around the diaspora studying African spiritual traditions. They were studying dance. And so the elders, the elder that really brought the Akan tradition to America was a part of that cultural arts movement. And so he specifically went back to Ghana and was like, I need to bring this back for my people here. This, a similar thing happened with African-Americans and the Ifa community in America. There was another elder who went to Nigeria and then brought the tradition back and began to establish a village down in South Carolina so that's a lot. Of, it's a lot of long history, but I said to say I got to give my respect to my elders because it's been a it's been a stepping kind of stone process for really the past hundred years for African Americans returning to those traditions and bringing them back here. So for me, in my particular life, yeah, I think it was, you know, just continuing that process and and it peaked for me at Howard. Um, and yeah, that that led me on a, a wild and very beautiful journey to Nigeria. It's interesting because I, because my my OG Kim, she the, the person I interviewed about African spirituality, she is of that lineage from Oyo Tunji from the village. So it's really interesting how these elders had the foresight. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was saying that's that's amazing. That I'm, that's that yeah, that's that's exactly what I was talking about. Oyo Tunji and, and Baba Ade Fumi the first, yeah. Yes, and and actually, my elder knew him. So it's really mm. interesting how connected, even through the separateness of the houses, how connected it still is. It's really interesting mm-hmm. to me. Um, yeah. it's, wow, it's really dope. Yeah, I, I feel like, and, and I, that's why I always like to drive that point home. 
I think that when you talk about the Caribbean and you talk about South America, you talk about the, the Afro descendants in these in Jamaica, Haiti, Puerto Rico, Cuba, parts of South America like Brazil, it's sometimes a little bit clearer to see the African culture. But 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 we can't forget about like African Americans have maintained their identity and their connection to Africa. And so I think when you mention these elders, I always want to emphasize the fact that we've been reaching back since Martin Delaney traveled to to, to Nigeria. Um, he actually traveled to Abel Kuta where I went and got initiated back in the late 1800s. So, you wow. know, I just want to emphasize that it's, it's never stopped. You know, we've always wanted to reconnect with our roots. And I, and I think I'm just one stepping stone in that long kind of journey. This is just so, I'm sorry, bear with me. This is such a great, I feel the energy of this interview. And I know that sounds very mm. generic, spiritual, you know, shit to say, but it's so interesting because your family is a part of that cycle of reaching back. And I'm not trying, and I'm not dissing anybody that hasn't gotten there yet or none of mm-hmm. their family members either. But it's just really interesting because people seem to think that African spirituality is a millennial thing or mm-hmm. was, you know, down with the back to Africa movement back in the late eighties, early nineties, but mm-hmm. it actually was a hundred years prior to that. So it's really mm-hmm. interesting. And then with slavery ending only what, maybe 20 some years before that, 18 mm-hmm. late 1800s um, initiation it just seems like there's always been a connection no matter what even right mm-hmm. after slavery um ended it's like no we're going to continue to reach back even with the culture that we've taken from africa we're still going to reach back period so i always i just think that's mm-hmm. really dope the work of our ancestors is so profound it just reaches yeah. back so far and we don't even realize it a lot of times Yes, 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 yes. Uh, one, one, one hundred. I agree, one hundred fifty percent. And I, and I think that that's important for anybody who's listening to just feel empowered. Like this is not your ancestors are behind you. What you're doing is not new. You know, we're just trying to take it a little bit further. You know, and pass the baton onto the next generation. But you got hundreds and hundreds of ancestors behind you who never forgot where they're from. That's beautiful. So for those, I know a little something, right? And I know mm-hmm. that with African spirituality, you can't just tell everything. So mm-hmm. um, for those that are listening, I'm going to ask some questions that you may be curious about. You may get an answer. You may not get an answer. Okay. <laughs> so I just want to let y'all know in advance, I'm very intentional with the questions I'm asking. So you can get an understanding of certain things being sacred and certain things that can be shared. Cool. Is that cool, Ade? Yes. Yes. I'm with okay. You. So what is a normal day like as, I mean, cause you're a priest. So what is yes. a normal day like for you when it comes to um, working within your, your system or your, um, or your tradition? Okay. So I, and I always, to some people, this could be annoying, but I always like to give like framing points um, and give context before I give an answer. So as a priest, right. Within this tradition, like, most African spiritual traditions, you've made a commitment. So so in African spiritual traditions, we recognize various different spiritual entities. So as a priest, you've initiated or you've made a commitment, right? It's in, in a lot of traditions, it's called marriage, right? You have names like Iawo or names in other traditions that literally mean like marriage or bride, right? So I've married a particular shrine. So in my house, I have like physical manifestations 
of different spiritual entities. So if many of you are familiar with Abatala, right? You hear about Abatala, the king of white cloth all the time. Um, I'm sure people have heard of popular ones like Oshun, right? Uh, Eshu. Um, so I have a number of different shrines in my house, right? And physically, they're held in pots. And so a typical day for me, so let me make another point before I answer what a typical day looks like. So traditionally, there's a four-day calendar uh, within the Yoruba spiritual practice. And then it's a total of 16 or 17-day cycle. So you're supposed to feed or go to certain shrines on certain days. So I actually have a reminder on my phone because we live in modern times. But I wake up and I'm like, oh, today is the day to go to Abatala. So I may go sit in front of the shrine. I will, you know, give some small offerings like water, gin, um, and a few other things. And then I may do a small form of divination. I'll use cola nuts to do a small form of divination um, to maybe see what's going on for the day. You know, should should I hang back a little bit? You know, or should I fully attack whatever I'm asking about? Um, maybe a yes or no question. Um, and so people who are a little bit f- senior in the tradition may give different answers, right? They may have uh, more complex forms of divination that they can perform, but I'm still learning some of those. So typically, if I find out it's the day for this particular shrine, I'll bring my offerings. I'll do a little bit of divination. I'll say my prayers. I'll say my thank yous. Typically, the day, each day will have multiple sh- uh, different orisha or shrines on it. So I'll feed all the ones for that day. Um, and then pretty much on each day, I'm feeding the particular shrine that's associated with that day. Unless there's something greater to do. Like, of course, you know, on certain occasions, there may be some larger rituals that we have to do. But that's pretty much what I'm doing. I'm following that four day and then 16 set. My math might be off, but. After that four-day cycle repeats for a certain amount, there's one day, which is a very significant day, which comes up every 16 or 17 days. So that, that's 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 typically what a day looks like to me, for me. And I just want to make one more point. When we talk about that marriage thing, when we say that when you're being initiated, you're marrying the shrines. That's pretty much what it's like. It's like it's like getting to know someone. It's like it's like you 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 just married your spouse. You're living with them. You're getting to know what they like, what they dislike. You're talking to them every morning. Pretty much the same thing. So so for the past, I've been initiated for eight years. It's been a learning process of me learning what my particular shrines or we shall like and dislike and just talking to them every day, every morning. So that's, that's the short answer. So when you said you were initiated for the past eight years, do you mean initiated as a priest or, or in the tradition of um, the Yoruba tradition? initiated as a priest. So I've been in the tradition longer, but when I actually traveled to Nigeria and did my first initiation, that was eight years ago. Yeah, eight years ago. I had to, I had to think about it for a second. I went to Abelkuta, Nigeria, um, and I did my Batala initiation, and I did a few other smaller initiations. So I want to go back to your to you being born. So when you're born into the religion or to the, the tradition, excuse me, when you're born into the tradition, there is no initiation because you technically have been initiated since birth. Or is there a particular type of um, ceremony that needs to happen for babies of um, parents who are in that tradition? So, 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 so that, that answer is multifaceted. So f- for a lot of us in the diaspora who discover the tradition as adults, 
we may take a slightly different path than, let's say, a child who was raised in a Yoruba family in Nigeria at, in the tradition from birth. But typically what happens is you have a naming ceremony um, called Essentaye. That's one of the names to call it. Um, and, and it. And I just did this for my son. My son is four or about to be four. Um, so we had his Essentaye, his naming ceremony. And so that's when you perform divination and you kind of get a glimpse of like what's happening with this child, right? You may you get some names from that naming ceremony as well. Typically, family members will also give a child names too. There's a number of different types of names a child can get, but from that ceremony, the child will get some names. So, like with my son, it'll tell you like, "Hey, he's gonna be a real rambunctious warrior spirit," you know. So you watch out for this. He's going to uh, get a lot of suitors for marriage when he gets older. So make sure you vet them. He's very spiritually connected to X, Y, and Z spirit. So he needs to do X, Y, and Z when he gets older. So that name of ceremony will give you that glimpse into what's happening with the child. It will give the child some names. So my son has a few names that came from that naming ceremony. So that's a little bit different than the initiation that you might do to a particular Orisha later in life. So it's also, this is the best way to phrase it. Within the Yoruba cosmology, right, We've chosen our destiny in heaven before we come to earth, before we're born. And then you're doing all of this stuff to kind of uncover your destiny and learn a little bit more about your path and help align it. So that name is ceremony is just, okay, your feet have touched the earth. You're here. This is going to give you a little, a little piece of, you know, that destiny that you, uh, that you were, that you chose in heaven. If, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Um, is and again, listeners, my love, my loving listeners, my tribe of listeners, I love y'all so much. So again, some of y'all probably got some questions. I'm gonna do my best to ask some of the questions. I would think someone that doesn't have any um, familiarity with the tradition would have, but just remember, there may be some answers. There may not be some answers. So my first thing is, if I had no idea about the tradition at all, the first thing that would come to mind would say, okay. Where are y'all getting this from? Because, you know, you can consult tarot cards for certain answers. You can consult astrology for certain answers. But in this tradition, where do you all get the answers from? That's a good question. Very powerful, very deep question. There are a number of different types of divination. Um, and and I, I'm, I don't know the exact dictionary definition of divining. But to me, divining is always like using some sort of tools using spirit to get a glimpse into the future or to get some more information about the present, um, maybe even the past. So there are a number of different types of divination that would technically fall under, um, I guess, the Yoruba culture, cultural sphere. The Khan people have their own types of divination too. But uh, some of the ones that you'll find in uh, the Yoruba uh, sphere are Kolanut Obi divination, that's you, um, you're taking a few cola nuts, you're casting them, and then based on how they land, you're reading them. You have Erin Logun divination, that's 16 calories. That's what priests of uh, of Orisha will typically use. Um, so like if you go to an Oshun priestess, you go to a Batala Ogun priestess, they may break out their 16 calories, they throw them based on how they land. There's a whole bunch of different stories and messages and everything that comes with that. Um, and then they'll also give you a remedy to fix whatever's going on with you or to secure your blessings. 
So, so, so after the calories are thrown, they may tell you, hey, this, this, and this is happening with you. You got this down the road in the future. Let's do these offerings, get this medicine, and this is going to help solidify the blessings and help you avoid the, the bad stuff. You also have Ifa divination, um, which uh, you will go to a Babalao or Ianifa. They have their own tools, right? They, 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 they might throw their Oprele, which is a divination chain. They might pound their Ikeen. But it's the same idea of based on how things are landing, they're getting the insight, um, right? And then they'll give you some remedies, some offerings to fix that. There are other different types of divination um, because, you know, everything, we, we don't have everything here in America or in the diaspora. You know, there's, there's some things, the culture is so diverse that there's some, there's some forms of divination that you just have to go there to find out. In the Akan tradition, I mean, it's, it's, it's more similar to like clairvoyance almost in the sense that like you may go to an Akan priest, they'll be able to look in their pot. And sometimes it amazes me. They'll be able to look in their pot. They'll, they'll, they'll stir the stuff around their shrine the messages will come to them and they may they may tell you something that you're like, whoa, you know, how did you even know that? So there's so, 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 so many different forms of divination across the African continent. A lot of them are very mathematical, right? When we're talking about how shells land and stuff like that, you have a lot of different divination systems like that, which are like just very methodical and mathematical. It's 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 really a science. So so I would say that that's through divination, that's how we know. I mean, you of course you also have people. Dreams come to people. You have you have all different types of messages that come to people. Come to people because spirit is just so 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 vast, you know. And we're constantly communicating with spirit, so it's it's multifaceted. But that's that's the that's the succinct answer. You know, I think you may have answered a, a question that one would have, like in terms of explaining what has been some major differences you've noticed between the Akan tradition and the Yoruba tradition or, or Ifa. So I'm just mm. curious to know um, if you're able to share what those differences are. That's a good question. Of course, they're going to be differences because, you know, enti- entirely different culture. You know, it's, it's, I think sometimes people, people have to remember how big Africa is. Like United States fits in pretty much a section of West Africa, you know? So, so if you can, so if anybody's listening, if you can imagine how different, Atlanta culture is from Oakland culture, how different Oakland culture even is from LA culture, you know, how different New York culture is from Philly culture. So similarly, you know, on the continent, um, the Yoruba people and all the way over to where the Akan people are, you know, it's two separate cultures. They speak different languages. So in the Akan tradition, all the prayers and songs and everything, they're in tree. Right. I don't really speak much tree. My, my brother does a little bit more. That's kind of how we team together. But they speak tree. So everything is going to be in tree. Uh, in, in, in Ifa, they speak Yoruba. So all the proverbs and everything that you're going to be learning are going to be in Yoruba. Uh, they have their own types of drums. Uh, the Yoruba people have many different types of drums. They have bata. They have bimbe. They have shakara. They have a, a whole family of drums. They have their own types of dances that they do. They have their own clothes that they wear. They are calm people. They have, they have their own drums, right? And it's it, it's so deep. They they play proverbs on their drums. They they, they have their, their songs have so much meaning in them. They have their own set of spirits and deities. So while we have the Orisha and Ifa, people are probably a little bit more familiar with that. Like Ashun is one that comes up all the time. 
in the Akan tradition, they have their own sets of deities. They have, uh, it's so deep. Like, Oshun is a river, right? Oshun is a river deity in a particular part of Nigeria, right? I, a beautiful place. I've, I went there um, a few years ago. But Oshun is the spirit of that particular river. In Ghana, in, in the region where the Akan people are, they have so many different rivers, and each river has a spiritual entity associated with it. Um, so different set of spirits. Uh, but there's similarities too, though. You know, like you'll, as you start to see them together, you'll see some, you'll see some things like, ah, okay, we do, we, we, we work with this warrior spirit here and we need things done. Y'all work with this one. We just, we call it different names, but you see similarities. Oh, iron is significant for Ogun. Oh, over, over with the, with their contradiction. We have another deity, which also uses iron. The shrines look similar, similar characteristics. So there's some intersect. Um, and that's why I think when people say, African traditional religion, Africa's so vast, right? Thousands and thousands of different cultures, but you start to see similarities in terms of how people think, how people interact with the world, the the the, the, the values and stuff like that. So while they're different cultures, you'll see a lot of those similarities and a lot of intersect. I really like that answer that you gave to provide perspective and saying like, look, you know, it's some similarities, but Oakland, Atlanta, LA or Philly or New York, they're not going to have the same vibe a hundred percent. So there may be some commonalities, but they all have their little sauce and how they do things. Even with you being from DC, you got a DC accent. Mm -hmm. So, you know what I'm saying? Like you may say something one way, I may say something another way. So Mm -hmm. it's really interesting to see like the way you explained that. I think that that made it very easy to follow in terms of the, um, the differences between the different traditions. Um, Now I wanted to ask you, Cause I feel like we about to, I, I just feel like going all over the place at this point. So one of my homeboys, right? Shout out to, first of all, shout out to Beyonce. Cause honestly, mm-hmm. o- Oshun has been very, very popular because when she started doing her stuff with Lemonade and wearing yellow and all that stuff, to me, that's when it seemed as if Oshun was like trending somehow. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying to me, it seems like Beyonce kind of made it a little bit more popular, well, a lot more popular in terms of Oshun. So mm-hmm. before I get into what I want to say about my homeboy major, I'm curious to know, and I asked him the same question. So let's say I see Beyonce, she wearing yellow. I'm a Beyonce fan, or mm-hmm. I'm excited about African spirituality. I start wearing yellow, and I'm saying that I'm Omo Oshun, or a child of Oshun. Again, I know the answer. I'm just asking mm-hmm. this for people that are curious and, and super like have zero idea. Is that correct or is that not correct and why? Claiming deities because you feel as mm. if you identify or because they may be calling to you. How does one know that and is that correct? Hmm. That that's that's another deep question. So one I wanna say that I'm for me growing up, it I almost felt like the oddball in a lot of spaces. So like even dating growing up, like prior to marriage, that was always something I had to tell people like, you know, I'm not Christian. I do this African spiritual thing. So I'm extremely happy to see how many people are open to these concepts and who would even resonate with, uh, you know, Oshun. So I always want to first start by saying I'm very happy and thrilled about that. But I think, but it depends on what, it depends on what part of the tradition you're in, but their processes to determine what Orisha you're a child of. 
So, so here in the diaspora, like in Cuba and places like that, you'd go get divination and you find out, okay, Oshun is the one who rules my head. My lineage is more on the Nigerian side, so things are a little bit different. But you would also, you could also go get divination done to find out what are the significant Orisha that are present in your life, what initiations you need to do, what work you need to do with them. So, so, so no matter while there are differences depending on the sect of the tradition that you're in, for most of them, it's not just I decide that this is who I work with. Da, 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 because it's not it's not a one-to-one i post about this all the time it's not a one-to-one of personality to orisha it's not like well hey i'm really sensual and that is so i feel like i identify with Oshun. i'm really peaceful so i identify with Obatala. no they're men who are traditionally masculine in the sense in, in, in ways that we would know like like though that's a hardcore dude a a, a priest of Oshun. You know, so 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 it's not always a one-to-one, like, oh, you have to be very feminine to be a priest of Oshun. There's some very feminine women that I know, right, who are priests of are priestesses of Ogun or someone who would be considered hardcore like that. So yeah. all that to say is not just a I, this is my personality, this is who I resonate with, right? You have to figure out within your particular lineage and the tradition that you're gonna go into, how do they confirm who your significant Orisha are? Okay, so now for those that might be confused, I want to ask some follow-up questions. So you need to go to a priest or priestess in order to find this out. Is that right? Yes, 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 yes. So it, so it, so and again, it depends on what tradition you're in. But I would say f- for most of the sects of Ifa or uh, of, of this Yoruba spiritual practice, you got to go to a priest or priestess, a- and it can't be confirmed through tarot cards. Nothing wrong with tarot cards. It's just apples and oranges. Like it has to be someone who uses the tools that are associated with with the tradition. So yes, the short answer is yes. And basically, you have to go to, you said sex. So basically, I need to go to a priestess. You need to go to, well, men need to go to a priest. I mean, you are the priest, but (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Basically, so basically, whatever you, you go to who... Because, you know, we talk about gender and all this other stuff and how that's being Oh, challenged. sorry, so sorry, my bad. I meant sect. Sorry, my fault. I, I, it's sometimes my accent, sect. Like, like you know what I mean? Like, like the same way with Christianity, you have Baptists, you have, you have, like, so many different people, so many different groups, so many different manifestations of Christianity under the same umbrella. It's kind of like that. Like, the way they do things in Cuba may be a little bit different than the way they do things in Brazil versus the way they do things in a particular city in Nigeria. So I just meant, like, within your particular division or sect of the tradition, follow that process. That's what now, I mean. I feel you, but I was under the impression that since I'm a woman, I go to a priestess. I can't go to a priest. Is that true or is that false? I would say that's false. I would say okay. that's false because like I, like I understand people preferring that. And I, I think that's, that's your prerogative or anyone who's listening. That's, that's, that's your choice. But I've seen, men study under women i was initiated by like 10 women I, and i wish i had the picture right here P- very very powerful powerful women but they were the ones who initiated me to batala they they performed divination for me so I, I you know i've gone i've gone to many women priestesses i mean yeah m- many priestesses and 
a lot of the brother and a lot of the sisters that I know go to male priests of Ifa. So it, it, it is your prerogative, but there, I don't think there's any such uh, like set rule within the tradition. Okay. I was curious. I know some people are, um, and again, I say this as, you know, working to be as objective as I can as I do this, this interview with you. Some people are purists, quote unquote purists, and some people still believe in the separation of men and women when it comes mm-hmm. to that. So I just thought that was kind of interesting. And I just wanted to get your perspective because that's really what this interview is about is getting yeah. your perspective. So I'm glad you answered that. Now, follow up question. So that question, mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier head and lineage. Is there any way to explain um, head and lineage to those that do not know what that means in terms of ruling the head or blessing the head or like what is what is the head? Okay, so that one, I'm trying to see how, how to give a short answer for that one. So your head, <laughs> so I keep saying head, that's your ori. So physically, that's literally your physical head. But then it's also like a, it's always difficult for me to explain what Ori is. I understand what it is, but it's hard for me to put it, to like quantify it and put it into words. But it's, it's, it's your physical head, but also spiritually, it kind of represents like your divine self and your destiny. It it would take a lot more for, for me to explain. I've always searched for, like just a just a very clear way to explain it, but it's very difficult. So, within certain divisions of the tradition, you have a particular orisha that kind of it's like your guardian spirit that kind of like rules over your head, and so you would find that out, and you would find out, hey, I'm a daughter of Ashun. Um, I don't want to speak too much on that because I'm more on the Nigerian side, so there may be some people who are listening who are on the Cuban, the Lucumis, Santeria side, and may say, hey, well, that's not 100% correct. So I can't really speak for that tradition, but that's that's a, that's the general gist of it. Like, you have to, when you say this is your head spirit, it's like you're finding out what particular Orisha is, like, that prevalent in your life and kind of watches over you and guards you, guards over your head. And then when I say lineage, I mean, like, who... Who who did you initiate? Who who are you working with? Who did you initiate under? So, um, I was initiated in Abelkuta, which is a city in Nigeria, um, in a particular compound. Um, I, I don't I, I want to remember the name Onagboro. I I, I got I don't want to misquote the name, but um, I was initiated in a particular compound. So that particular group of people, right? They've been working together for. X number of years, they have a particular way they do things. They may differ from the people a city over, right? So if I say I'm from this particular lineage, then it's like, okay, you know, you're part of this spiritual family that's that does things that does things a specific way. They have this particular space in this particular location. Um, so I just specify the lineage thing to say like everybody may do things differently. So just do so check how to do things in your specific spiritual family and space okay that makes sense um would it be fair or unfair to say that there's a could the head somewhat be slightly um associated with like a form of consciousness possibly or no yes 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 it's such a deep topic and it's and it's honestly something that i'm trying to fully like, you know how you know something, but it's like, it's a struggle to 
explain it and quantify it. Like, just say, this is it. Boom, 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 boom. But the head is very significant in Yoruba culture. It has to do with your consciousness. I mean, but even that, that's, that's a scientific term, too, because e- even in... In Western science, we recognize that, yeah, your head is physically your head, but we recognize that there's some some depth to what goes on inside of your brain that cannot 100% be explained with science yet. So, you know, you, 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 you could say that that would lean itself towards some deeper kind of spiritual consciousness, but kind of what I mentioned earlier, and I won't go too much into this, but pretty much the belief is that before we come to earth, Everybody's head is shaped uniquely and you choose your head before you come to earth. Um, and that also decides what your destiny is going to be like. So, yeah, I would say the co- the consciousness, like your your higher self, your consciousness is a fair comparison. But it's but to be honest, it's a difficult concept for me to fully explain it in English. It sounds very deep because yeah. even when I hear it from other people that's in the tradition, like their understanding, that's not something... Um, that's something that's a 30 second answer. So that's mm-hmm. why I was curious to get your perspective because from what I understand, it is a very, it's a much, much deeper concept than, um, than that. And that's why I was just curious for your perspective. So yeah, I have a few more questions. Okay. Cause I, I could really talk about this all night, but I don't want to keep you. So <laughs> I remember you did a post about, um, <laughs> let me find it. Cause it's hilarious. Oh my God, I said, this man out there is on some other stuff right here. I got to find it. Oh, here we go. Eya, can you teach me how to do readings and make spiritual baths? The Eya says, yes, study with me for four to five years and I will teach you everything. Then the girl says, hell no, that's too much. I'm trying to be a priestess and make money right now. Eya says, well, that's not how the tradition works. Then the girl says, um, okay. The Eya's like, you know, dot, dot, dot. The girl leaves, and then the girl goes to Google and says, how to make an Oshun bath? How to give an Orisha reading with bones and tarot cards? And then she says on Instagram, I'm selling Oshun baths and candles. Hit my DM for Orisha Zodiac readings. Hashtag certified priestess. <laughs> Hashtag Oshun. Hashtag Bruja. <laughs> oh, my God. That's still funny because I see it so much. Oh, my God. I'd be like, bro, what just happened here? Oh, that's so funny to me. Your posts are hilarious. He be talking all that stuff. All that stuff you see on social media. Y'all know how I feel about social media spirituality. I have a, I, I respect it, but at the same time, I'm like, come on now. Mm-hmm. Everybody can't have the answers. Some of this stuff is imagery, clearly. So when I see Ade's posts, he be speaking everything that either I might have said on the podcast or I may not have said it out loud, but I've been thinking. Just mm-hmm. even with the witch kids. Like, hey, you just got your witch kit off Amazon. You are not ready to do reading chat. And I'm just like, man, you better. You better. So with that being said, the question is, how do you properly vet priests and priestesses of the tradition? How do you know they're thorough? Because last I checked, some of these things don't go together, but it's somewhat of an integrative approach. And from what I'm understanding, that's not how that goes. Again, Ooh. perspective but the people i spoke to in the tradition is saying no some of that stuff don't go together period and some of them do not fool with people that mix certain divinations in african spirituality or whatever system they practice so i'm curious again because you are a priest that that's the first question and then mm-hmm. the second question is from what i also understood 
sometimes you don't need a certain amount of time. Sometimes if, if you know, the Orisha says it's time, it's time. So I want to get your perspective on that as well when it comes to being um, a priest or a priestess. Well, I want to first start by saying I, I, I crack all those jokes and stuff like that, but but the real like core point that I'm trying to get people to understand is that there's nothing wrong with being a student. There's nothing. I'm the first one to say, look, I've been this, I've been in African spiritual traditions my entire life. I've been in this uh, tradition for ten years. I'm still learning. You don't see me posting. You know, I'm taking divination clients because. It's such a long process to learn to do Ifa divination. It takes 16 years at minimum. You know, now, of course, over here, you know, we sometimes that'll be a little bit less, but it takes a long time. It's like it's like three, four PhDs worth of work. So hmm. I will be the first one to say, look, I'm still learning. So I am i can't do I'm not selling things yet. Right. Some things I'll teach, but. You know, so it's so all I have to say. I think that people need to understand there's nothing wrong with being, there's nothing less than about being a student. You don't have to be the person, like you said, who has all the answers. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and then as far as how to vet people, I've tried to put out a few videos about how to avoid spiritual scammers and what questions to ask. Um, I'm trying to think from a perspective of someone who doesn't know much about the tradition. Because, I mean, someone who does know a little bit about the tradition, they might know the questions to ask. But for someone who's brand new, does not know about the tradition, um, I would say you could ask someone, who, 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 where's your spiritual lineage from? Like, like you know, how, how did you how did you come into Some of the questions you're asking me right now, you know, I think that if, so now, granted, if you want to buy a spiritual bath from someone, they're not obligated to answer your questions and explain their spiritual lineage to you. But if someone's talking about taking you on as a student and like teaching you stuff, then then you have the right to ask them like, oh, who did you study under? Where's your spiritual lineage come from? How long have you been in the tradition? And if they just cannot answer any of those questions, that might be a red flag. I think you mentioned the point about people mixing stuff. I know people who do Ifa readings, who do uh, Orisha readings, and also do tarot cards, but the the two are separate. So I would say if 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 somebody's doing Orisha work for you with tarot cards, I would say that's a red flag. Two entirely different traditions. Someone's not going to tell you your head Orisha. They're not going to give you an Orisha. Tell you the Orisha speaking through tarot cards. It's apples and oranges. No knock the tarot cards. It's just it's just an entirely different tradition. So I would say that's a red flag. So some so zodiac. Some people will compare zodiac and Orisha stuff together, but those are those are two entirely different uh, cosmologies or or, or 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 disciplines. You know. So if someone's like too too heavily trying to mix everything together, they're trying to mix the zodiac and the Orisha stuff together. I would say that could be a red flag too. You know, again, there are people who 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 study both, but if they're trying to say that they're one, you know, that that that's a red flag. Um another thing I mentioned is if someone's making sexual advances towards you, that's a red flag too. So now of course, you know, there are people who may have a romantic relationship with someone and then also do spiritual work with them. But if you're coming to someone to do spiritual work and they're trying to they're trying to holler at you, like while they're doing spiritual work for you, that's a red flag too. You know, that that's that's 
Cause, cause there's a lot of like abusers and spiritual scammers out here who will try to tell you like, oh, spirit said that me and you have to, whatever. Me and you are meant to be together. Nah, all, 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 all that type of stuff is red flag. Um, man, there's so many. I, I, my, my, my brother, who runs a really good uh page about voodoo from Africa, he posted something. He said, diviners who are scammers will ask you a lot of questions up front and then they'll kind of give you BS answers based on what you said. So they'll ask you like, what's the situation that's going on? You'll, you'll explain the situation to them and then they'll do the reading and then they'll be like, oh, well, it said this based on them filling in the blanks of what you told them. And so he made a good point of like, look, accomplished diviners, they don't need to ask you a ton of questions up front. They let the spirit speak for them. So, 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 so there's a lot of things you kind of got to just kind of see. The very last thing I'll say is trust your intuition, trust your ancestors. If it just don't feel right, then, then, then that's, that, that's something to be mindful of. So pray to your ancestors, talk to your ancestors, set up an ancestor altar in whatever way you know how. And as you're talking to people and vetting people, if, if, if it don't feel right to you, then, 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 then that ain't the person for you. So, I, so I hope that's, that's some like, I guess, practical advice that people can uh you know take okay see i'm glad you brought that up about ancestors because that was going to be my next question so some people may mm-hmm. not understand ashe some people may not understand the concept of ancestors they may mm-hmm. not understand altars they may think they have to get initiated to do altars they may not know what to now i know this is you know that that may or may not be able to be answered in terms of what to put mm-hmm. on the altar so can you is there a way to do a um a, a explanation of the concept of ancestors in your your tradition in terms of how that works? Yeah. So again, very, 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 our ancestors are, were so, 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 so deep. So that, that's a very deep concept. So, um, so one is the foundational idea that the ancestors are not just dead and gone. You know, when they pass away, it's not like, oh, farewell. No, they're very alive spiritually. They, 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 they communicate with us they they play a role in our life they can help us so traditionally in yoruba culture yoruba society you would actually in a lot of houses bury your loved ones in the compound or like sometimes near the foundation of the house because their work there's work that still needs to be done um annually or or, or at whatever interval of time to honor that person and to communicate with that person they also have masquerades. That's something you'll see throughout Africa. You'll have you have specific people that work with the with, that, that are part of a society or a I don't want to use the word cult because it has a negative connotation, but they're part of a cult that deals with working with ancestors. So these people will they'll get they'll they'll uh they'll dance, they'll bring out a masquerade, right? They'll dance in it, right? They'll um they'll bring blessings to the community. So, so that so ancestors so in both the Akan and the Yoruba spiritual practice, ancestor worship communication is very, very big, and they kind of have their own ways of doing it, you know. But but masquerades is is is, is a big thing within. And it's something I'm still learning about. It's a big thing within the Yoruba cultural sphere. Um, but as far as like us being here, like you know, most of us we're, we're not initiated into that society. You know, so we set up ancestor altars. You know, we keep pictures of our loved ones. You know, some people keep water on their ancestor altar. I think there's a lot of things that you can do. You know, you can 
you can take water, you can take gin, and you can pour it out. We we actually taught a libation class last year. Um, we'll probably teach another one soon, but you can pour out gin and water to your ancestors, right? And you can say your prayers to them. You can talk to them. Like ancestors, I feel like are one of those things where it's like, yeah, there's a whole society, but your connection to your ancestors is your connection, you know? And, and, and can't nobody really tell you you know, there's something's totally wrong, a wrong way to communicate with your ancestors because it's your personal connection. So I think there's a lot that we can do here practically to kind of keep that connection and keep that conversation alive. You know, we can, the last thing I'll say is learning the stories of your ancestors is very important too because you can call on different ancestors for for, for, for different things. So like if you, and this is going to sound funny, but you know your ancestor, everybody got that cousin that just that's anybody could get the hands you know that cousin that you call <laughs> is like i'm in trouble when that person goes to the other side that might be the person that you need to call when when, when you get into something you know oh. so yeah learn their stories yeah i've always just personally speaking i've always felt like i am my ancestors so the connection mm-hmm. to me is already been deep i think my connection to elders too has mm-hmm. kind of made me understand the concept of ancestors um, a lot easier. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's always been deeply personal because it's like, not only do I call on them, I am a product of them. So mm-hmm. that, that for me at least, so that has helped me deepen my connection. But it also, again, goes back to family dynamics too. Some people may not have that connection because they may not have good family dynamics and things of that nature. So it may not be as easy for them to connect. But I know mm-hmm. for me, like, I've always loved that concept. It's like, what, you mean I can talk to my grandfather? I can mm-hmm. kick it with him and he's not here no more? <laughs> Shit, let's go. Let's go. Let's go, Pop Pop. Let me call you up. Let's talk. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just really dope how, like, this, I just love that concept so much. Even with, like, my big mama and and my grandpa, like, my, 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 my grannies father like it's just so dope and then when you know you see all the old pictures in your in your house or your ancestors or your elders houses you know when i say ancestors i mean the ancestors that's gone and left the house to your auntie or something like that and you see all the old black and white photos it's like you really for me at least mm-hmm. i see me and i see them so it's mm-hmm. like dang like i'm of you this is so yes. dope we, we already have a relationship and i don't even i've never physically met you because you mm-hmm. you know you died in 1940 what have you but like I know you, like I'm I'm of you. I come mm-hmm. from your womb. Like that's that's so dope to me. It's like wow, we are really so connected, and I don't even know if people really realize that. I think because people are so used to interpersonal communications and being able to physically mm-hmm. touch and see the person, some of them may have a harder time connecting. But for me, it's just like man, I've always known you. That's so mm-hmm. wild. And this again, again, that's just me. But I just love that concept. I just it's just so it's so dope. Yeah. No, I, I concur with everything that you said. I mean, it's uh you know, it's we it's we have to step outside of the western uh some western concepts, you know, and like I think in the west you you touched on it, but if you can't see it and touch it or quantify it, then it doesn't exist. That that's western culture. You know, everything has to be proven through like empirical like evidence or scientific studies and if if you can't prove it then it doesn't exist and you know it's but but what you said like you know from from a uh, an african 
you know, cultural uh, outlook, you know, you, you feel things, you know, you, 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 you have other senses that you can use to know that things are there. And I don't care if we're in the church, I don't care where we are, black people, we've always known that our ancestors are there. We, we always feel it, you know? And so I agree with everything that you said. I'm glad you went to Western um, mindsets and logic. Um, I wanted to ask you, and this is not a question to, to start divisiveness, because me personally, I think that mm-hmm. it, it does nothing um, in terms of whether it's the Africans versus African-Americans, whether it's Christians versus African spirituality. That's not what I, I want to do with my platform. However, I want to foster an environment of some type of understanding. You feel me? So my homeboy, mm-hmm. Major, I met Major. He's a he's a uh, reverend, but I met him at a mosque at an interfaith dinner program. I think it was like what, two and a half years ago, almost three years ago. It was um, mm-hmm. a Jewish organization, the mosque in Atlanta, and then a Christian organization, if I remember correctly. And mm-hmm. Major showed up as Christian as can be. And it was just really cool to eat and really have conversations with folks of different belief systems. Mm-hmm. So one thing I know is about Major is Major, and sorry, y'all, y'all remember Major from episodes 100 and 101 about the religion of um, white supremacy. We talked about that for a couple of hours. He's a scholar. He goes to Morehouse, um, another HBCU alumni, um, but he's doing his um, his studies, his religious studies there at Morehouse. But he does a lot of challenging of, of um, Christianity as well as the church but also in terms of really understanding what Christianity really is, not from what we was fed, but what's, what's true in terms of like, you know, the ancient texts that are from the Greek and things of that nature. So mm-hmm. he had posted this thing a few days ago. I actually meant to send this to you. And it was an article called black Christians don't demonize African spirituality. Mm. It's a slightly lengthy read, but it's a very good read as well. And it was written by a black woman named Darnese Martin. She is a um, associate a clinical associate professor of African-American studies at uh, Yalola Marymount University here in LA. And um, she was basically saying like, yo, like black Christians can reclaim the the whole blackness, Africanness in Christianity, but you have to get out of what you were fed that has somehow made us demonize unnecessarily mm-hmm. African spirituality. So I really like that article because, again, it unifies or at least serves to say, hey, seek to understand before you automatically just cast things aside based on what you was told by probably, you know, your ancestors who was probably told that by a slave owner or, you know, a person Mm -hmm. who was holding people captive in order to program Mm -hmm. their minds. So, again, from your perspective, as somebody who is a millennial, who is of a whole different newer generation of African spirituality, what do you think? Christians, Black Christians, or people of other faiths can do to better understand African spirituality before just blindly um, regurgitating something they were told or just casting it aside as something that is demonic and not of God. Because I've had situations where I had a homegirl I was cool with from, from the eighth grade. And when I told her I was doing spiritual homegirl, she automatically was like, hey, I don't want to talk about Christian. I don't want to talk about um, astrology. I don't want to talk about none of that stuff because that's against my religion. And I'm like, what? Wow. She's like, yeah. She's like, I'm a Christian woman. I don't do that. I'm like, but I'm not even. Oh, wow, this wow. is weird. So, but yeah, she wants to know why me and my boyfriend broke up. So it was like a, you can hear me about my tea, 
but you don't want to hear about a platform that's designed to provide different perspectives and talk about different things and be respectful of different people's belief systems. So I was just curious mm-hmm. to know, and there was nothing I could tell her. Like she had already kind of, you know, she was so rooted in her faith at that time. There was nothing I could have told her that would have made her understand. So that's why I wanted mm-hmm. to get your perspective on that too, especially with you being a priest. That's a very deep question. That, that That's a very, very deep question. I think there's like a peeling back of uh, layers that has to happen historically and culturally um, when it comes to how we view Christianity in the sense that, and you, you, you kind of started to touch on it, but like we have to understand that what we've been fed has been packaged right over centuries and centuries and centuries by people who don't necessarily have our best interest at heart right to accomplish certain goals and so we can't cling to that stuff and so i actually did a post a while ago where i said we asked the question why do we fear african spirituality and you know the typical answers revolve around okay well we were enslaved african spirituality was demonized because they didn't want us to empower ourselves they saw what happened with Haiti and Voodoo. They did not want to repeat that. They outlawed drums. Th- those are the answers. But the other answer that I also gave is that before spreading Christianity around the world, Europeans went through their own internal cultural imperialism, process of cultural imperialism and erasure. So like, they went through their own process of er- erasing their traditional spiritual practices. So I, I went back from Rome and... um different Roman emperors that, uh, you know, kind of introduced legislation and, and had different methods to kind of outlaw paganism. Um, you know, all of their practices that they used to do, their, their, their monotheistic practices, that in some ways would resemble the things that our church folks may um, demonize now, right? So they went their whole process in Rome. Then I went through... Uh, witch witch trials and stuff like that, where women who be, 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 because and I'm trying to give a short version, but but I talked about how women played a very significant role even in your traditional European spiritual practices in terms of being healers and stuff like that. Um, in terms of like being spiritual heads of communities, and so you you go through this whole process where the church goes through these witch trials where they're burning and killing women who exhibit any spiritual prowess. I even went through what we talk about the King James Bible, right? The King James translation. I talk about how King James was a misogynist and a a witch hunter. He was responsible. He hated women. He was responsible for killing like, what is something like thousands of women and, and brutally torturing them. And they had all these books that were published that talked about how to determine if a woman is a witch and how to torture that out of her. So I'm saying all that to say that we have to peel back the layers to understand a lot of the things that people cling to today are from centuries and centuries and centuries long process of kind of erasing and, and, and kind of uh, like kind of subjugating the, the Europeans' own traditional belief before they begin to spread it out around the world and then demonize the traditional practices like African spiritual practices that they see around the world. So my thing would just be to encourage anybody who is from the church and who is demonizing African spirituality to really dive into history and see why do I cling to the stuff that I cling to? Even my concept of hell, right? Where does that come from? Right? Right. Looking to uh, 
uh, what is it? Dante's Inferno and that whole um, uh, I, I, I forget what that that play or book is called or whatever. And these concepts that we have that you'll burn in this eternal fire. Where does that even come from? You know, so so I think in short, I would say that it's a really it's an unlearning process, a peeling back of layers, and you'll see that a lot of things we you, we cling to are really not ours. You know, and we see they 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 kind of have a dark past. It, it, I would just encourage people to look up that King, look up a little bit about what King James did. That, that, that's a good place to start. So I hope that answered the question. That definitely answered the question. And I, man, it's been over an hour already. I just, I just think this whole concept is dope. Would you mind coming back for another, like a part two? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Cause I just feel like this is such a dope. I just feel like this is something that's worthy of a part two because mm. I want to provide more understanding. All these answers have been so in-depth and so, um, I mean, you might have answered off the dome, but they're very easy to understand. So I know there may be some people that are still curious, but I just want to make sure that, you know, we give people enough to chew on for a little bit. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, if if there's some more questions that I would love to have them ask me and I can ask you whenever you decide to come back. Absolutely. So before we wrap up, is there anything else that you want us to know about Ade, about Ifa, about um, worse from yesterday? Like whatever mm-hmm. it is that you want us to know about, definitely you know you can definitely say it now if you'd like. Um, I think the only ex- thing that I'm pretty excited about is I'm working on a book, um, of uh proverbs in hip hop and R and B. I'm trying to wrap this book up. You know, things have been slow in the pandemic, but I'm I'm. I'm very close to getting it in print and getting the ebook out, but that's that's something I want people to look out for um, because, you know, again, just emphasizing that African Americans have never lost their 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 core cultural identity. So I, it's just been amazing to me to see how many proverbs we reference in hip hop and R and B, and how uh, you know lessons African American cultural lessons are passed through these forms of music. So really excited about that. So anybody who follows me, just look out for that. Uh, that, that, that should be out within the next few weeks, God willing. So yeah, that's it. A few weeks. Yeah. It's almost there. Almost. Yes. Okay, cool. Okay. All right. So check it out. Whenever you do your book, do you want to come back and talk about it? Sure. Yes. I would love to. Great. So we can definitely, whenever you ready, let me know and we can schedule it. And get that popping because I'm really excited. I think that book is going to be very insightful because I've seen you do the Proverbs um, beforehand. And I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, he's really good at breaking this down. Even with mm-hmm. um, with Major. I feel like I should connect y'all to somehow. But Major yeah. is writing a book too um, from his standpoint about different, you know, different topic. But he's also working mm-hmm. on a book. So it's just like, it's a very millennial scholarly and when i say millennial i mean Mm -hmm. from a younger generational standpoint y'all that's what i mean we have young Mm -hmm. men that are here that are um that have been in their systems for a very long time have done their research they know what they're talking about and they're producing scholarly works that are easy to understand as well and for me i always said that passionate competency go hand in hand with anything Mm -hmm. so anything i do i need to have passion yes but competency which comes through knowledge you know, as well, they have to go hand in hand. So mm-hmm. having you do what you're doing, I just think that's great. And then having Major do what he's doing, I feel like I should just connect you two. But definitely, yes. when your book comes out, I got to bring you back on. I really would like for you to talk about your book in more detail. 
I'm down. Yeah, I would love. I'm I'm honored that you had me today, and I would love to be back. For sure, you're definitely coming back. So, how can people get in touch with you? So yeah, follow me uh, on Instagram at Orire O R I I R E, all one word. Um, also follow Words from Yesterday. Also Words from Yesterday dot com. Um, yeah, I'm I'm on TikTok too at Orire. So yeah, follow me on any of those places. Um, and yeah, reach out to me. All right, y'all. So y'all know how to reach my boy Aday. And we will catch y'all when he has his book ready. We'll talk more about that, y'all. Okay, peace. Thank you for having me. Peace. And that was today's episode with Ade, a.k.a. Ori E. Ray. He has told y'all how to find him. More than likely, you will see his post on my <laughs> on my own page because they're freaking hilarious. I got like two or three I've been meaning to post that have been really comedic and um, hilarious. Well, they're comedic hilarious, but also um, educational. So I got some in my drafts that I've been meaning to let go, but I've been on that social media break. So that is why y'all have not seen them or me. But if you want to find me, you can do so at Spiritual Homegirl. That's Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. If you want to find me on Clubhouse, it's Spirit Homegirl. If you want to sign up for Tribe Letter that comes out every Monday through email, you can sign up through the show notes link. Um, all you got to do is click out of here and go to that little arrow and you can see all the little descriptions for this episode. You can click there or go to spiritualhomegirl.shop. If you're at the shop and you need some aromatherapy needs, I got you, boo. Go ahead and get you some crystal infused aromatherapy there. And if you want to sign up for my Patreon Aquarius season that's coming to an end, definitely tap in with your girl at patreon.com forward slash spiritualhomegirl. We'll be doing our last Aquarius season uh, challenge and then we'll be jumping right into Pisces. Tears only start at $7, aka 23 cents a day. Okay? So with that being said, I don't want to hold y'all. Um, today is Wednesday. So tomorrow, me and Tetris will be doing a Clubhouse Room of Authenticity, more than likely. So again, you can find my club at Make Peace with the Day or find me at Spiritual Homegirl and find my club in my bio. It's the first circle on my biography <laughs> on the actual uh, app. So with that being said, y'all, I hope y'all enjoyed. This has been another episode of the Spiritual Homegirl Podcast. My name is Maria. And remember to trust the journey, trust yourself, and check out someone else's perspective every once in a while. Okay? Love y'all. Peace. This episode has been produced by producer extraordinaire Jason Trichodemics Valerio.